0: Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by akashicreading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Octana, and today we'll be walking through the process of how to meet your totems and ways in which to work with them to create a lasting relationship. Like many words, Totem has developed layers of meaning over time which proves it's still relevant and part of a living spirituality, but which makes using it problematic. We've all experienced this at one time or another, having a conversation about something and realizing somewhere in the middle you're meaning one thing and the other person means something else entirely, so you've been misunderstanding each other all along. Totems, to some people, are simply a cool thing to have, They hold about the same relevance as knowing a birth sign in astrology. You can go your whole life and do nothing more with a totem than mention it in casual conversation or use it as a part of flirting. A totem can be a handy excuse why you do something or don't, do something a certain way or don't, or get along with this type of person or don't. Other people see totems as part of their spirituality. They incorporate their totem or totems into their spiritual knowledge of self to varying degrees of interest and comfort. Working with a totem this way is the spiritual version of you get out of it what you put in. People can start learning they have a specific totem, then choose if they want to learn about this totem, how much, and beyond this, look at how much of the accumulated wisdom they want to incorporate into their lives. Along the way, they'll come to realize that, like all mirrors, The totem reflects them and thereby allows them to learn more about themselves. To understand what a totem truly is, the first thing to recognize is in saying you have a totem, you're referring to a relationship, in the same way you'd say you have a spouse, a significant other, or children. It's not a statement of ownership, but of connection. To have a totem is to have a relationship with another being who can be a best friend. Mentor, therapist, playmate, companion, mirror, and much more. Totems are beings who can work with us in a variety of ways in the Akashics, as guides to us like other spiritual support, and also in the physical, manifesting as visions or connecting with representatives of themselves here. For example, someone with Deer Totem might see Deer in their dreams as a means of confirming a decision they've made may have them show up during Akashic work to lead them in an unexpected but advantageous direction, or may find they are never lost in the wild because they can always find deer, elk, or moose paths which lead them to their destination. A deer might cause traffic snarls which prevent them from getting into negative situations, or may appear in their yard to tell them their fears about a something are unfounded or greatly founded, depending. On another level, Totems are keys to the nature we're expressing in this particular embodiment. A person who has skunk totem will have a very sweet, loving, and even gregarious personality. They'll enjoy the company of others, but not appreciate even well-meaning advice. They'll have boundaries which are very clearly defined, but these will more than likely be non-verbal, expressing in gestures, in facial expressions, in body postures, and in the type of clothes or accessories they wear. This type of person will be flexible to a point, but once a boundary has been crossed, their reaction will be swift and nuclear, as it were. This can seem like overkill to those on the receiving end, and they will constantly be told by others they overreact, but in reality, they're being true to themselves and the situation. The lesson is to believe a skunk person the first time they warn you and have a healthy respect for their boundaries. Even bears and wolves know to keep their distance from their skunk cousins and play with them respectfully. Working with a totem is a bit like getting a tattoo. Yes, you can get one just for fun because it looks cool or because you love the art or the artist. I'm not opposed, but this is not the aspect of things I'm discussing in today's podcast. There are two general reasons for getting a tattoo if you're doing so for a spiritual purpose. One is to represent and honor something within the self. A good example of this is the semicolon tattoo, the one that looks like a period with a comma under it. This has become a symbol for those who have suffered with depression, which has led to suicidal thoughts or actions, in part through the activism of Amy Bluel and Project Semicolon. I find the symbol rather elegant in its depth and simplicity. The semicolon is punctuation which is used in place of a period. Where the writer might have ended the thought, instead, they place a semicolon as a pause, and then the thought continues. The tattoo is a reminder to the wearer and those who might see it that their life did not end, but paused for a moment and they have chosen to continue. It's both an acknowledgement the thought, desire, and need to end occurred, and more continues afterwards, as well as a promise that should the thought or desire or need return, there's more to come, and things will get better. It's a reminder to reach out, to connect, and help is available. The tattoo reflects the internal in an external form, creating balance. The second reason for getting a tattoo is aspirational. This is like someone seeking peace, strength, or hope in their lives by having a symbol for these added to the exterior of their body through a tattoo. It's a way to influence the inner by changing the outer. This can be an antidote to bullying or negative messaging from family of origin. If someone has been told they're weak or stupid or a failure, they may get tattooed with the opposite message and then seek to discover this truth within themselves. If they wish to stretch into something new, to become, to embrace more, they may tattoo messages or representational symbols onto themselves, so they consciously and unconsciously add this into their sense of identity. People who receive messages in dream time will sometimes tattoo the image onto themselves in order to honor and more fully embody the message on a variety of levels. Every living person has not just one totem, but seven. Four-legged, winged, swimmer, creepy crawler, tree, herb, and mineral. Together, these can be considered the seven aspects of our being, or associated with the second chakras, or as residing in the seven directions of the medicine wheel. East, south, west, north, Mother Earth, Father Sky, and Indwelling Spirit, just to point out a few ways we can form a relationship with them. A totem can and will play many different roles in our life, sometimes simultaneously. Totems come to us because they're a reflection of what we already are, but also because they're a promise of what we can become if we're willing to engage in the work. There are a number of ways in which to start working with a totem, but 1st you'll need to discover who your totems are. The easiest way to know is if you collect something. If you have a pig, horse, cow, cat, dog collection of some kind, please don't collect the real animals unless you're a certified and licensed rescue or have the ability and space and resources to care for them properly. Then you know what your primary totem is. If you don't already have an urge to collect, which is a big arrow pointing directly at your totem, then you'll need to ask. There are a variety of means for discovering which totems connect to you in this life, if you don't already know. I recommend the one most commonly used by indigenous people, meditation or journeying. Now, as the saying goes, there's the easy way and there's the hard way of doing this. More traditional practices require the person seeking their totem to fast for one day to one week in order to cleanse their mind and body and spirit and honor the being they're going to meet then the person either sits out in nature and invites or calls the totem who is willing to work with them the person fasts without food or water during this time and the amount of time it takes ranges from one to four days alternatively the person can go hunting or searching in nature until they encounter the being who's their totem same time frames apply this would be the hard way as a side note Being Cherokee and a medicine elder, I'm all for this method, am trained in it, and support those who wish to undertake it. However, I'm clear this is a particular spiritual path and not everyone's cup of tea, nor should it be. So the other way to do this, the relatively easy way, is to go into the Akashics and have the experience there. No fasting, special equipment, or hunting skills necessary. Start with your Akashic room. If you've taken my Akashic Records Level 1 class, then you'll know what your Winged is. You can either ask your animal guide or your Winged to tell you who your primary totem is, or you can invite them to meet you in your Akashic room and discover them that way. You can also do this type of invitation in Embodied Life. If you have a favorite hike or park, you can go there with the specific intention of meeting your animal guide. Um, safely please. If you think your totem might be a bear, you'll want to come back in one piece. But whether you already know who your primary totem is, you want to work with one of the other seven, or you want to deepen the relationship you already have, pick one to focus on for any given session. Personally, I always suggest either the winged or the swimmer because people so rarely consider they might have one, let alone what it could be. Don't just be open to any or all of them. All of your totems will work well with and want to be with you, but they may not be interested in or do well with each other. Work with one at a time so you can give them your full attention. To do this in the Akashics, go to your Akashic room just as you would do any Akashic work like reading your soul book or working with the Temple of Life. Directly across the room opposite the door you came through, there will be another door. Go to the door, but don't open it or go through it. Instead, stand in front of it, center yourself, then feel, know, or say, I want to know what my, pick your totem, is. When you're ready, open the door and walk through. You'll be in an outdoor space appropriate to your totem. More importantly, you will be your totem. Notice how you're moving around. How many limbs do you have and what kind? How do you feel in this environment? What do you want to do? Don't prevent yourself from doing things. Go with the flow and follow your instincts. Once you've investigated what is around in your general area and how you operate, notice there's something reflective nearby. It could be a pond, a lake, a piece of mirror, ice, or something else. Go to it. Look at yourself in the reflection. See as much of you as you can. This is, you are, your totem. When you're ready, head back towards your room. You'll be able to find it easily, like a homing pigeon going home to roost. As you go through the door, you'll revert back to your normal form and be back in your Akashic room. From there, you can invite your totem to come visit you, go to the Akashic library to learn more about the totem, ask to see where more information about your totem is in your room, and much more. Once you know your totem or totems, you can return to the form at any time. In fact, I recommend it. Working in the Akashics in your totem forms gives you access to wisdom and experience you wouldn't otherwise have. And all of this wisdom will enhance and enlighten your spiritual path here in this life and that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can see all my other offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.